You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Save a Pooch on Pet Life Radio. I am Beverly Isla, your host. Thank you for tuning in. So this show is dedicated to those who have experienced the loss of their canine pets, particularly those who have cared for and taken rescue dogs under their wing. And it can be a difficult topic for some, but you know, unfortunately, all pet parents do have to face it at some point. So today's guest, we have Wendy Vanderpool. She's the founder of Center for Pet Loss Grief. She holds numerous credentials in the healing arts, coaching, she's a best-selling author, animal communications, to name a few. Our second guest is Brenda Harney. She is the co-founder and VP of Tiny Paws Dog Rescue, and she's had the wonderful experience of fostering, can you believe it, over 700 dogs in the past 16 years. So both Wendy and Brenda have tremendous experience in today's topic, and I look forward to hearing their insights. So when we get back from these messages, we will have Wendy and Brenda come on and talk to us about pet loss and what is involved in going through that process as a caregiver. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We are talking with Wendy Vanderpoel, founder of Center for Pet Loss Grief, and Brenda Harney, VP of Tiny Paws Dog Rescue. I appreciate you guys coming on today. I think you both are the perfect pair to talk about the topic of pet loss. So why don't we start with Wendy? How did you get into the area of helping others deal with the loss of their pets? Because that's a particular arena, I guess. It is. It definitely is. And I get that question. That's probably the most asked question that I get. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> and, they, you know, people don't quite know how to react to me sometimes because I do the work I do. <laughs> I basically got started in it because, one, it was, I think I, I, when I was doing my wolf research out in Minnesota, I I had... Um, you know, it's faced with a lot of injured animals that, and animals that wolves that have died. So that was like, you know, mm-hmm. like my little those little light bulbs started to go off because I saw how people were reacting. But it wasn't until I left that profession and went into massage therapy for humans, horses, and hounds that it just kind of happened. You know how those things just kind of happen to you, and you're not planning it. And my clients were calling me saying, you know, I have a dog, I have a cat, I have a horse that is dying. You know, I just got the, the news from the vet that it's dying and I want to do something really special. Right. 
So that's how it basically started for me, and I found that that's where my gift lies, is not only helping dogs, cats, horses, whatever, transition from physical to to spiritual, because I've been at many euthanasias and things like that, but I've also found that I was helping people not give them a safe place, for, you know, for goodness sakes. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, if you, you know, people, <laughs> oh my gosh, you can get another cat, you can get another dog, you know, oh, you know, there's so many dogs that need homes out there, you can get another one. And yeah, we can, but it's still, it's a family member. So I, I, it, that's how it basically happened, Beverly. And I became a life coach and then I, was able to find someone that was coaching, train, certifying people in end of life and grieving. In humans and, at first. Yes, humans. Ah, okay. With him, but what he was, what he did for me, which was amazing, it was it was a fifteen month program. He let because I wasn't interested in working with people, per, you know, people hospice. Is he tailored it so that I could do the, my pet work. Mmm. That's kind of like the quick and dirty, just how I got to where I am. And then I just started, people were, you know, my my clients call me, you know, my cat is dying, what do I do? My dog is dying, what do I do? My dog has died. So those are the titles of my book. Yeah. And they take basically take you by the hand and help people go through those process, that process of making decisions and not feeling weird in society and how to how to navigate. That's awesome that at least you can be by their side while that, while that happens. But were you in animal communications before or after? I'm before. Assuming, I, it's, yeah. It's kind of, yeah. You know, it was one of those things, again, it's like I was really a skeptic. And I had, because gotcha. I was doing massage, um, I remember this one horse in particular. I've always, animals have always talked to me, but I kind of always thought that was normal and not something. And then it became something, you know, mm-hmm. haters. And I'm like, yeah, right. And I was massaging a horse, and this horse was, I, I, like, I, I get this sense that they wanted him to be a hunter-jumper. He didn't want to be a hunter-jumper. And they were just doing some crazy things, you know, playing the fox horn over and over and over to try to desensitize him and all, you know, doing all, all, just crazy stuff. And I just, I, as I was working on him, he said, I do not want to do that. I like dressage. This is what I was hearing, and I'm going, oh, goodness gracious, I'm really going nuts now. <laughs> <laughs> well, to long story, he was, he was rehomed, and he went to live with somebody with dressage, and he, all his weird behaviors went away, and he excelled in his work, and that's when I became, okay. You gotta add go. that in. <laughs> well, that gives you an, yeah, exactly. That'll give you an edge anyways, right? Over, right. um, yeah. Numerous areas. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do use in my intuition, you know, and in, in my work with people and, and uh, because that's important. Oh, big time. I totally, yep. totally understand that. Yep. So I want to address the area of rescue dogs and what caregivers and foster volunteers deal with emotionally. So Brenda, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot the baton over to you. You've been a foster for um, over 700 dogs, and that means having to say bye to over 700 dogs, whether it be because they got adopted or they had to cross the Rainbow Bridge to uh, <laughs> doggy heaven. But what is your experience with that, and, and how do you deal with it? Like, How do you cope with some of the really unfortunate, sad histories of these dogs? Well, we... Quite often, we all do a lot of crying. And oh, sometimes yeah. I, think that 
I've cried more for for animals than I have for, for many humans. Aww. But um, a lot of it is just um, patience and time and trying to look forward. And when it's a really hard one, you just keep telling you, you know, that myself that the, it's the next one. I'll say the next one and <sighs> one more and one more. That's hard. That's um, hard. The adoptions, they're much easier, especially when I got involved with the adoption process. Once I started to do reference checks and uh, okay. the adopters and then actually did home visits to make sure that it was a clean and a safe environment. Then I could almost get excited for the dog when I saw what a wonderful home it was going to be. Okay, yeah, that, yeah. In touch, I keep in touch a little bit with, with the adopters. That made it much easier to know that and my house was always uh, kind of a crazy because there were so many dogs. <laughs> and I thought, this little guy or girl's going to a nice, peaceful home where they are the center of the universe for that family. Yeah. That's what made it easier for me once I had that understanding. That is true. The adoption part would be yeah. a little, that would be easier than the other tragic yes. parts. Yes. Now, the putting dogs down will never. Oh, oh gosh. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> I turned myself inside out um, many oh, times. Man. But. It all depends a lot of times on the circumstances. I just let a, an elderly poodle go um, in June. Oh, sorry that about I, that. We had he'd been a she she'd been a what we call a foster forever, knowing that they weren't really adoptable, but yet physically she was doing fine. So we just keep them on in the foster home, and we just keep going until just to make sure that she's happy and she's healthy. Mm-hmm. And then finally the time came that it wasn't that way anymore. And when I take them in, I stay with them the whole time. But I also let myself feel that there's nothing a dog loves better than to sleep. Mm-hmm. So I call mm-hmm. it just the forever sleep. And I just hold them until we go through the process and just let them know that We'll see them again one day and have a good sleep. Mm -hmm. They're they're tough, but you know you've done everything you can for them, and it's just almost like they're asking you to let them go. This is a perfect time for um, Wendy to pipe in. Yes, I have tears in my eyes. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's that's that. Yeah. So yes, I've. Euthanasia is, I like the way, you know, Brenda has um, participated in the euthanasias. Yeah, Brenda, you're yeah. a one strong woman. I just got to tell you yeah. that. Yeah. I owe them that much. I always tell myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I find, like, I, with, like, the people I've worked with, my clients, this is probably the toughest decision there is. And because it comes with so much baggage, really, you know, guilt, yeah, depression, regret, all those feelings of grief that are normal, that are normal. But to make such a, a, a definite decision, and there's always two questions that are 
really important that I stress with my people is asking yourself, how do you know the time is right? And when is the best time? Either mm-hmm. so it's kind of sounds similar, but they're not. They're very, di- they are different. The right time is, that's a tough one to answer without any doubt. That is, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. 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 Or questioning if your answer is correct. Getting the veterinarian's opinions, you know, the things like quality of life, if the dog is in pain, the dog can't walk or respond, you know, just myriad of reasons. I also encourage, especially people in research, in research, um, in rescue, is to ask each other. You know, if you have meetings, check-in meetings, and you're talking about a particular dog, is to get support from each other. Like, what do you think? How, you know, what are you going through with this decision? Just so that you don't... It's so important during euthanasia and grief is to not put yourself in a position of feeling alone. And rescue folks, organizations, if they're healthy, you know, the people can get along and all that kind of stuff. It's a, basically a built-in support, which is mm-hmm. But with Brenda, with Tiny Paws, like these decisions are made primarily with the board, right? Yes, it's the, where there is a, a board, a six members in the board. But usually it comes down to just two or three members. Oh. And it's not something that's done quickly. It right. may be something we've talked about over a couple of months when we start uh-huh. seeing the yeah. signs. Yeah, that's great. And then we talk to each other about it, and and then it finally comes down to, well, we trust you that you will know when the right time comes. Mm-hmm. And we try and all do it together. Other times it's when it comes down to aggression, dogs that are biting. Those are the really hard ones. Those are the ones that just rip your heart out. Somebody has to do the decisions on those, and we try yeah. to do them as, as a group as well. And you know what, too? Here's and This might sound a little out there, but I believe, too, and I whether I'm working with a rescue group uh, with you know, a particular case or you know, one-on-one with a client, it's ask the dog, too. Bring the dog into the conversation, you know. <laughs> There are signs. Yes, yes. There are signs. Yes. You, can, you know, we're all dog people here. We can, we can, and this is not woo-woo. This is not about animal communication or anything like that. This is about being aware. This is about being aware of that particular dog's energy, the essence of that dog, what that dog is putting out to the world, how comfortable is that dog in its own skin. And when you're, when rescue folks are in an in that conversation, it's important to kind of bring the dog in and say, what would Ralphie want? You know, it, what, how is Ralphie, you know, it, what signs is he giving us that mm. he's not comfortable in this world, that his uh-huh. anxiety and his anger yeah. and his aggression or his history is so unbearable for him that he, like Brenda said, dogs love to sleep. He just would love to have a long, peaceful sleep, you know. Uh, yeah. So I always encourage that is ask the animal to look at the body, the behavior of the animal and how mm-hmm. they have chosen or are reacting to their environment. Hold that thought because I do have a question. Okay. We're just going to go on a quick break. And when we get back, we'll continue talking with Wenda and Brenda about the topic we tend to avoid, which is pet loss, grief. Sit. Stay. 
We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. She was thrown out of a pickup truck. Somebody threw him out of a car and shattered his leg. They found her walking on the streets. Many have been abused, malnourished, eating garbage. Scabs, itching, licking, missing fur. There's this commercial on TV that the ASPCA does. They want you to send in $19 a month for a dog in the shelter. I think you should go and adopt a dog from the ASPCA and then get that dog on Dynavite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. You don't need to spend thousands on vet bills. Their answer is nutrition. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. The digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. When you rescue a dog, you've got to feed them right for life. Every rescue deserves at least 90 days of Dynavite. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. Dynavite is nutrition. Dynavite for life. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Are you having trouble getting the word out about your new pet product or invention? Let Whitegate PR open the gate to your marketing and public relations efforts. We've been specializing in public relations in the pet industry for over a decade. From press releases to media relations and publicity to pet trade shows and launch events to social media, the pet-friendly team at Whitegate PR has you covered. If you listen to the wise words of Bill Gates, he says, if I had $1 left, I'd spend it on PR. Learn more at whitegatepr.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We are talking with Center for Pet Loss Grief founder, Wendy Vanderpool and Tiny Paws Dog Rescue VP Brenda Harney. So before the break, we were just talking about paying attention to our dogs and what do they really want. But Wendy, what if we don't know what to look for? Right. That's always a good question. Because <laughs> sometimes our grief is so crazy and it's, it's... Yeah. We're so involved in the chaos in the grief. Exactly. Yeah. Like, are we sure it's not what we want, what we don't want? Right. Right. <laughs> right. I could safely say... In all with all the people that I have worked with, that there's oh it might be a moment there might be just like a second or a millisecond where <laughs> you get that intuitive gut feeling like this is the right thing to do, right, yeah. Brenda? Yeah. And you know that, and it might be the way the dog looks at you. It might be hmm. the way the dog breathes. It might just be something very very simple. And of course, you know, you take into consideration what every you know. The, what the veterinarians are saying and, and everything. Right. And, you know, the behaviorists are saying too. So it, it does take a team. It's, it, again, it's the hardest thing to do and there's yeah. no definite answer. There's no protocol. It doesn't come with a manual. Every, oh, you every case, right? Every case is different. And I just, you know, animals are here. No matter you know, how aggressive the animal, how sweet the animal is, every animal that comes into our life, Brenda has had the the opportunity to have 700 animals come into her life and they each have a lesson for us. It can be tiny, tiny, tiny or it can be huge life lessons but they all have a reason to be with us. And, oh, absolutely. Oh, right? And um, so that's, it's the awareness. It's building awareness. So 
people like Brenda and other rescue people and people like me that work with death, you know, it to my best advice is to not look for the exact protocol to follow because there isn't. Mm-hmm. Is go for the ride, go for the roller coaster ride. Understand, learn as much as you can because to be rescue safe or end of life safe or grief safe, the more knowledge you have about what is normal, your normal feelings and what is the normal process, that's going to help with the aftershock, so to speak. So when you have that wonderful dog that came through rescue and, and can't understand it's been in foster. And why isn't it getting adopted? And, uh-huh. you know, and then euthanasia decision has to happen because the dog is aggressive and all of that. If we have as people, and it's not easy because it's, it's such a hard lesson, is if the more we know about that, the fact that we are going to be depressed, we might eat a box of cookies, we, we might get really angry and throw a pillow across the room but those are all normal feelings because these decisions are hard yeah (laughs) brenda do you ever come across like uh fosters that they struggle with if they ever foster someone that and they had to be i mean i was one of them but have you ever come across other fosters that had to deal with that all the time and um ouch ouch there's many times i've often said you know, we'll send the dog down to me. I'll do it. Oof, oof. Just because I always feel that I want to be there for them, even mm-hmm. if it's those last few moments. And even when it's been a dog that has bitten me a number of times, I still want to be there for them as much as possible at those last few moments. And I've agonized it for many years, but and it's, sometimes I still do. I still... Yeah have those thoughts that is, am I murdering this poor soul? You know, what is the right thing to do? But then it just seems to come to me that yes, I am doing the right thing. This poor animal is suffering and it wants a peaceful ending and that is my responsibility. Yes. Uh, good for you, Brenda. Yeah. Can I ask Brenda a question? Absolutely. So, Brenda, I mean, listening to you and listening to that promise that you make to animals is wonderful. You know, you're, you're definitely an angel. How do you keep yourself healthy? How do you take care uh-huh. of yourself so you don't get burned out or, or have so much grief? You know, you have stuck grief. You know, the grief doesn't go I, away. And it's I have. part of your soul. So what do you do to take care of yourself? Well, I have been burnt out, and, and yeah. uh, it, thankfully, it's it's the membership and friends and relationships I've built through the membership mm. that help me through those times when I feel horrible, mm-hmm. where I feel like I'm a murderer, and maybe maybe I'm wrong this time. You you second guess yourself all the time. Mm-hmm. And and I just have to look back at, at experience and thinking, you know, Brenda, you have to do it. This dog's begging you to make his or her life better. Right. So um, I don't know if, if there is an easy way to get around it, but you, it does eat away at you after a while. It does. It does. Yeah. But it sounds like you're doing something very... Good for yourself, and, and is that is that you don't isolate yourself. You talk to your support group. Yes, 
Yeah. And I great. let them know how, how lousy mm-hmm. I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And they cry right along with me. Great. And that helps a lot, too. And it we does. are the crazy dog people. Right. I use that yeah. term all the time that I'm sure there are some people who think we're absolutely certifiable. Of course, but who cares? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, especially right. your, when it comes to your own children who think you, you're certifiable. And yeah, I have yeah. a son that said to me once that I treat the dogs better than I treated them. Right. And, oh, and I said, well, that's funny because those dogs treat me better than you. Ah, <laughs> that's a good answer. <laughs> that's a good oh, answer. Well, you know, that's, that's one of the biggest myths. I mean, people, there's so many myths around pet loss. And one of the common ones that come, like what you just expressed, is that people feel that it's selfish. You know, somebody might say to you, oh, it's selfish or extravagant to mourn, you know, or grieve, you know, the, the death of that dog. When our yes. world has so much human suffering, well, hello, we're we're people. You know, human beings are we're capable of uh, simultaneously grieving both animals yeah. and, and humans, and one doesn't have to detract from the other. No. So I see it. I see it as the fact that you can do the work that you're doing, and other rescue people can dedicate their lives, their souls, their heart, their blood, sweat, and tears for this for doing what you're doing. Showing grief and mourning and helping, yeah. you're just showing that you have tremendous compassion for the world. Yeah. And, you know, that's like, that's, I'd like us to see, you know, the world celebrate people like that, like you, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to come, go out on a limb a little bit, but, you know, yes, and this doesn't mean to be disrespectful, but for, I mean, look at what humans do. We, we go to war. Yeah. And we glorify that so much, but what about the people like you and the other people that rescue and the other people that just have to make these, you guys are not celebrated enough. No, no, and you you do get used to that. You know, yeah. I've, I've had Aww, many human ask me, why do I spend so much time helping dogs when I should be helping humans? Yeah. And I at one time I didn't have an answer for that, but I do mm-hmm. now because I see the love and the strength that these animals give yeah. people. Yeah. Yes. And that made it so much easier for me to deal mm-hmm. with once I realized I wasn't neglecting the human race, I was helping right. the human race. Exactly. And a dog right along with it. Yeah. So yep. There's a there's so much that we can do and can't do that I, it's one day at a time for me. Right, right. And you know, too, is our dogs, they give us, you know, we hear this over and over again, our dogs give us 100% unconditional love. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> you know, I have people that love me and I love people, but it always comes with an expectation or a condition or something. That's right. You know, I always think I still love them, even when they've pooped on my carpet. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, you just look the other way and say, okay, yes. they have taught me patience. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> There's no bad intentions in there, Brenda. No, no, no. Well, not occasionally. Well, ladies, we are out of time. But really quick before I wrap things up, in your opinion, Brenda, do you think something like grief support would benefit like the foster volunteers so they're, I guess, better equipped to handle losing a foster dog? 
What's your take Especially, on that? It, it, I think if certainly if, if they're not getting enough help from the rest of their membership, mm-hmm. I think, you know, that is, is good. It's a very valuable tool because it, it, it does happen all the time. But I think, you know, it's a valuable tool for us to have that support. That's awesome. Well, Wendy, your work is definitely needed, Wendy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so glad that I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both. If you, do take a, if you want to take a look at Wendy's work, simply go to centerforpetlossgrief.com. Um, and you can check out all her credentials, what she does, and do reach out to her if you are experiencing uh, grief over pet loss. For Tidy Paws Dog Rescue, their website is tpdr.ca, and that's tpdr.ca, and that is what Brenda's working up to now. But lastly, Wendy, you just launched your book, right? Yes. Yes. What Tell us, what is it called? Where can we find it? Okay, I launched my third book. This one's on cats. It's called My Cat is Dying, What Do I Do? And ah. it, just, it just won a reader's favorite five-star award. But book one Congrats. is a pe- pepperidement series. And my first two are My Dog is Dying, and the other one is My Dog Has Died. They're both uh, all uh, available in Kindle and paperback, and you can go right to Amazon and Amazon, or or go through my website. They're on my website too. Perfect. Well, thank you, Wendy and Brenda, so much for talking to us, and our show producer Mark Winter for making this show possible. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for a show, please email me at Beverly at PetLifeRadio.com. So until next time, spread animal compassion. Let's talk pets every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.